Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michelle, and today we're going to be talking about the new moon in the third decan of Gemini. Uh, I hope that you're doing well out there, my friends, enjoying this Thursday afternoon, doing a little bit of a different day. I got my purple for Zeus on uh, this Thursday, which is the day of Jupiter. So uh, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey today. We're going to break down all the elements of the new moon. Um, that is going to be happening at in the final 10 degrees of Gemini over the weekend. And we're going to take the new moon through the houses just to show you some things that you might be able to expect via your rising sign. So if you have any questions, you have any comments, please put them in the chat box there. I love interacting with all of you. It's nice to be back here today after a, a week off and doing a lot of things here in Gemini season, juggling a lot of different um, projects and responsibilities as I'm sure many of you are as well. Um, but we've come to the choosing point and I will try to help break that down today. We will also look at uh, a couple of slides from my Decans of Gemini webinar, which is on sale by the way for 20% off until the end of Gemini season, which is June the 21st. So make sure you pick that up if you are interested in learning more. And um, yeah. Uh, as always, I'm available for readings if you need help. I love interacting with all of you. You can find the booking link at my website, spencermichaud.com. I have all sorts of different types of readings, including natal readings, oracular readings, where we take a look at one specific issue, transit readings, which is called Kairos on my channel. Um, I do tutoring as well. So I really love interacting with you. You can find that on my website. And um, yeah, a couple... Well, we'll go over a few other things today. I've got a, a lot of things circulating in my mind. I'm seeing a lot of friends stopping in, so I'm going to welcome all of you here today. Rachel Fletcher is joining us from Roanoke, Virginia. Hello, Rachel. Nice to see you, friend. I love the little deer emoji there. Uh, Reverend Kai is here from Kansas, giving us a sunflower sunshine energy today. Hello. Hello, Kai. Uh, Dimphy is here from the Netherlands. Hello, Dimphy. Been enjoying your gardening pictures. Um, if you all haven't been checking out my Instagram, I've been sharing a lot more of the progress of my uh, wildflower garden as well. Got our first little flowers uh, in the last few days. They're little tiny babies. There's there's a story up on my Instagram at Spencer Michaud right now, where it looks like it's a big flower, but it's actually just a little tiny white flower. It's it's pretty cool though. You got to start small. Um, so thanks, Dimphy, for sharing your garden as well. It's always an inspiration to see how people are connecting with the earth around around the world. Faye is here from Arizona. Hello, Faye. Nice to see you, my friend. Uh, Marjorie Cottrell is joining from Pennsylvania. Welcome, Marjorie. Robert is here from Kalamazoo. Nice to see you, Robert. Um, go Lions. <laughs> oh, boy, blasphemy coming from a Packers fan, but... You know, us uh, folks in Michigan here, I'm in enemy territory. So it is nice to see your local neighbors and fans have some hope about the season and then <clears throat> eventually crush it <laughs> with your, your other team that, um, no, I'm just messing with you. I I, I love uh, the, the friendly NFC North rivalries we have here in um, the Midwest of the United States for NFL football. Laura Etta is here from Vancouver, Washington. Hello, Laura. Nice to see you, friend. Monique. Monique is stopping in. Hello, Monique. Uh, welcome, my friend. Hope you're doing well today. 
Uh, Tarja is here from Finland. Nice that we catch the Taurus moon. Some of that was intentional. <laughs> As astrologers, we know some of the moods that uh, might be more fortuitous for doing stuff. Mostly I did it today because I was planning on um, going on vacation tomorrow. Um, but Gemini season had some other plans, so I'm having to readjust my schedule and i'll talk more about that as we examine the new moon because i think there's a lot of themes wrapped up within that that uh, maybe i can share some of my experiences that'll help us contextualize some of this um steven the jupiterian is here morning from sunny san francisco the sun the sun is finally out all right very good very good uh beth cummings joining us from the middle west hello beth nice to see you Slava is here from uh, Bulgaria. Hello, new friend from from Bulgaria. That's that's awesome. Welcome, and uh, hope that we're you know not keeping you up too late today. Uh, Jennifer is here. Hello, Jennifer from my neck of the woods in Michigan, I think. Uh, and then Raven. Raven is joining us from Kansas. Hello, Raven. Nice to see you, my friend. Okay, so nice to see all of you here. I'm excited to go on a, a little journey with you. Um, again, if you could do me a huge favor, uh, please like and subscribe to the channel. If you are new here, liking the video helps get our message out to more people. Subscribing helps you know when I'm gonna be going live because sometimes it, it changes. Sometimes my schedule is a little bit, you know, wackadoodle and I have to go live on a different day. Um, and then finally, please, please, Sign up for the email list. You can find that on my website, spencermichaud.com, or in the description of this video. I have some new things I'm going to be launching in the coming weeks and months, and that's the best way to know when you can sign up for things. I've got a new guided group study um, cohort, I guess you could call it, that's going to be starting in July, and I'm going to be releasing the promotional material and the live link for that probably starting next week after this new moon. Um, I'm really excited. We're going to be doing, uh, I've chosen the book. We're going to be doing the Secrets of the Waitsmith Tarot by Marcus Katz and Tally Goodwin. So I, this is a really cool book. This is a book that really examines and contextualizes the Rider Waitsmith deck, and specifically through the types of experiences Pamela Coleman Smith was going through when she created the art for the deck. So it is is really great to see how the deck was created within the time and space that it was created within. This is something that the book club that we've been doing recently, The Flowering Wand, has really been teaching us. So we have just, we're almost done with The Flowering Wand by Sophie Strand. And the main takeaways here with The Flowering Wand by Sophie Strand is really that we have a set of symbols and archetypes that are sort of this mycelial network, this underground network, that are waiting to erupt and emerge like the fruiting body of a mushroom. Uh, for the specific time and place that that symbol is needed. And it may come in a slightly different form for a different culture, for a different time frame, for a different person. It's going to speak a little bit of a different language, whatever language it needs to speak for the message to land. And I think that to be able to really truly understand the tarot, and, and in turn, the decans of astrology, which are, are closely intertwined with this tarot deck on some level, um, seeing the, con the context that that deck was born from is going to be really valuable for our, our understanding of the symbols themselves. So I hope that you'll join me for that. Again, the, the link is probably going to be live in the next week. 
So if you want to get the first chance to understand when that's going to be going, uh, sign up for the email list. I tried to think about if I could just power through to get it out today, but it just wasn't happening, friends. We're in a balsamic moon. I think it'd be better for me to launch it around the new moon. Um, so this is something I'm learning with, especially studying nature and gardening. Sometimes you can't force things, right? Uh, this has been really a, a week that has been teaching us that we shouldn't really try to force things. We, we have... Um, We've had a lot of squares with Saturn. We've had Mercury squaring Saturn this week. And there's just been a lot of projects that I've been going through personally, and maybe you have as well. Let me know in the chat where I've been trying to really move forward, but there's always, there's these obstacles that are really slowing us down. I think part of that is the, the stationing of Saturn. Saturn is stationing to turn retrograde over the weekend on the 17th. So everything feels like it's at a snail's pace or that there's bureaucratic red tape to, to wade through or things of that nature. And then there's a lot of things that are competing for our attention and for our, um, our energy right now. And um, trying to balance all those things out. That's just the, the, the challenges of life, isn't it? So we'll, we'll talk about how to hopefully do that gracefully as we come to the the point in the Gemini cycle where we've explored, right? We, we've, I'll, I'll go through this as a, as a journey with the cards and with the decans. Um, but I wanted to kind of address that we've started off Gemini season with this feeling. This is the Eight of Swords, where we see a figure that is bound. Um, and this is a Jupiter-ruled decan where we have an explosion of options that may cause us to feel a paralysis, right? Because we there's so many paths we could explore, moving in any one direction and committing to any one direction might be difficult. So we may feel a little paralyzed. Once we get further on in the process, we may be dealing with this nine of swords energy in the second 10 degrees of Gemini, where we understand the choices in front of us. We're weighing the advantages and disadvantages going back and forth, back and forth, and it may be creating some anxiety. Uh, so this is something where we might be feeling this kind of, uh, you know, anxious, sleepless energy that we see with this figure in the Nine of Swords. This is a Mars, a Mars deck. So we're going from Jupiter to Mars. And, you know, uh, let me see here. I'm looking at my notes because T. Susan Chang had a really interesting way of contextualizing this that I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss. Well, I can't find that right at the moment, but I feel like the first part of this is some kind of frustration that we uh, feel and uh, feeling frozen in the first decade. Then we have an anxiety in the second decade. And then finally, there is a, a surrender that we see here in the third decan with the Ten of Swords, with the figure with these Ten Swords in, in his back here. And this really refers to the ability to finally let go of some of the, old, the other options that aren't our highest priorities. Um, this is really, I think, a reference to the story of Castor and Pollux, one of our um, seminal Gemini myths. And really, the story goes is that one of these twins uh, is mortal, Castor, uh, the, the horseman, and the other twin is immortal, Pollux, the boxer. 
And they get in this kind of conflict with another set of twins, and Castor's slain. And he, um, uh, you know, he's he's dead because he, he, he's mortal, obviously. And his brother is in mourning, and he, he, he kind of begs Zeus to allow him to sacrifice some of his mortality, or immortality, excuse me, um, his time on Olympus so that his brother can live again. So they start to exchange time in the underworld and on Olympus. So there is something that may need to be sacrificed so that we can breathe life into something that is important to us. And I think that's really the big shift here. A lot of the times with Gemini, we fear making the wrong choice. Um, we fear letting go of possibilities. We fear um, narrowing our focus. You know, we have this grass is greener on the other side type of experience. And ultimately, if we try to keep every option open, we're, we're never able to fully commit to the things that really make our heart sing or the, or the, the responsibilities that are uh, most prominent in our life at any given time. It's not just about what is your heart's desire. Sometimes it's like this thing needs a priority right now or needs to become a priority or you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt later. So those are some things to consider. Responsibilities may be taking precedence uh, as we approach this new moon. Uh, the other thing that I can kind of think about with this is that this Deccan is one that tends to uh, cast things in high contrast. So there is this energy of um, all or nothing, either or, uh, ultimatums are part of this second where we sort of say that this you're, this is going to happen or or this consequence is going to happen we have to be careful of doing that we have to be careful of you know giving people in our lives idealistic ultimatums that they you know may or may not be able to to live up to um because we may regret that later uh, a, a lot of times you know with with gemini season we can we can get enamored with an ideal of how things are supposed to be, especially, especially right now with a, a Sun-Neptune square, okay? And when the things do not match up to our idealism, which here's our Ten of Cups energy right here. This is what the Deccan that Neptune's in. When we don't see this, right? When we, we emotionally, this is what we're shooting for. But when we don't see this in our lives, we can start to issue these, like, you know, it's it's my way or the highway ultimatums. <laughs> you could become the executioner's sword. And um, that can leave us in a really vulnerable position if we haven't really thought through the uh, consequences of, of all the things that that might entail. So this is another part of, of this lunation cycle that I think is really important is how can we work through the choices that we have to make without put it backing ourselves into a corner that we'll have difficulty getting back out from. Um, so I'm seeing more people stop in here. So I'm just going to welcome a few more folks. I'm loving all the new comments coming in. Uh, KP1231 is joining us from Cleveland. Hello, friend. Uh, Reverend Kai says, I can't seem to grasp onto any projects with enthusiasm lately, except for my garden, where I spend every minute I can. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, Kai. I've, there's been a heaviness in the air recently 
Um, and I don't know if other people are feeling it, but um, we'll, we'll examine that when we talk about Saturn's role in this lunation cycle. Um, there's definitely a lot of reevaluation of how we seek meaning and purpose in life. And oftentimes when we are having trouble connecting with idealistic purpose, I think you're doing exactly the thing that can bust us out of that, just connecting with the earth, getting your hands dirty, dealing with what you can see in front of you rather than worrying about something that is maybe more abstract. I think getting into the concrete sometimes can be a really good exercise, dealing with some of the challenges that we have. Steven says the song Let It Go comes to mind too, yeah. One of the songs of the week that I posted in my um, newsletter. I've been doing a, a song of the week type of thing in, in the newsletter when I send a newsletter out. And this week it was uh, Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney and Wings, which interestingly enough, Paul McCartney is a Gemini 3 sun and midheaven. So he wrote a song that was, you know, really reflected the energy of figuring out what needs to live and what we need to let die and return to the earth. That doesn't mean that we can't revisit the thing that we're not infusing our emotional energy into. Um, we may be able to circle back to it at some point. One really interesting thing that I really enjoyed uh, in my studies with nightlight astrology was really uh, Adam Ellenbos uh, pointing out that Gemini is an ambitious sign. It is still a sign in the northern hemisphere where the sun is climbing in declination. So that basically means the sun is rising higher at noon in the sky visibly every day. So there is we're, we feel like we're trying to move towards something. We're trying to move towards uh, completion of some sort. But once it hits cancer, the summer solstice, that sun starts to, to rise lower in the sky each day. So there is a shift of direction. And this is one thing that you might think about if you have a lot of Gemini placements in your chart is maybe you, you really pursue something with fervor and passion and you finally reach it and you change your mind. And you're like, oh, well, okay, <laughs> now I'm on to something else. I observed my Gemini son, mother do this all the time. She would get really passionate about something. And then when she, you know, absorbed all the information she could, like she was on to the next thing. You know, like a like a bee pollinating a flower, right? I, I really find the bee um, and flower metaphor pretty apropos for Gemini season because we're just flitting from one flower to the next. I posted a story of the bumblebees in my garden that were are, are joining us now. Like there's some beautiful flowers in my garden that have started to bloom and we've got a lot of bumblebee visitors and uh, it just feels very, very Gemini with the pollination energy. So I think that that's a, a way to feel more relaxed around this period of time is realizing that no, you can't pursue every path. No, you can't give your best effort to every single priority and project in your life. Uh, but that doesn't mean that that project that you choose to let go of is going to be gone forever, right? Um, th this was the, the cycle with the twins, with Castor and Pollux, was that they got to exchange time on Olympus. So maybe the, maybe there's a project that, that lies in the underworld for a period of time, but eventually it'll rise again to Olympus if it's really that important to you. Sometimes we have ideas and projects that we get a little, uh, you know, we get a little spark in our brain and we're like, that would be cool to pursue. 
and then eventually it it dies of its own accord because it really didn't have enough um, foundation behind it. If something is truly important to you, you're gonna you're gonna circle back to it, even if the timing isn't right for that particular project to manifest right now. There's a a lot of energy in the air right now that is asking us to to really question which of these projects wants to live and which ones want to die. Um, I don't know about all of you, but there's been a lot of things going on here like that have been competing for my attention. Like um, I have been doing a lot of work in my garden. Uh, I Before I had a number of other projects crop up in my life, we, my partner and I, Tanya Andrews of Third Coast Mojo, check her out on Etsy for her wonderful planetary magical materia. We ordered an, a number of pollinator plants, like a flat of plugs. You know, plugs are like these little, they're about this big and they're like an inch, you know, around. And um, we ordered over a hundred of them thinking we were going to have June as a really chill month to just, uh, you know, redesign the landscape in our home. That was our big project for June. And over the course of life, as happens, um, things come up that you didn't expect, right? We're, we're having some changes in our living situation here. Tanya's car broke down. So we've had to have a lot of, I've had to take her to work every day and pick her up from work every day, which has been disruptive in my routine. Um, we've gone down the path of searching for a new vehicle because her vehicle is, needs to be replaced now. And there's so many choices. There's so many options. There's, you know, do you want good gas mileage? Do you want, how much room do you want in the car? Like, oh, there's all these considerations. And it's, it's, uh, it's like that alone, buying a new car could be one huge project. The pollinator habitat could be its own huge project. Um, I've, there's some other bureaucratic things going on in my life that I've had to dealt, deal with, with like, um, you know, just, just like medical things and things like that, um, where it, that is its own project. Um, it's, there's just so many things right now that seem to be uh, competing. I was supposed to go on a, on a vacation um, this weekend up in the northern part of Michigan. And at the end of the day, what Tanya and I decided was that one of these things has to die. One of these things has to be let go of right now. Maybe not permanently, but temporarily. Um, the last straw was I, I, I sort of did this thing where I was, um, instead of trying to get all the plants in the ground before we went on vacation, I was like, let me order these pots, right? Let me order these little four inch pots and transplant all of these little baby plants so that we buy ourselves some more time before we have to put everything in the ground. Because putting everything in the ground is, that's one part of it. But what we're looking at here is removing a ton of sod from our yard, which is a big, big project, a lot of backbreaking work, multiple day effort. Um, and each of these plants requires one to two feet of space between each other. So it's not a little project, it's a big one. And um, at the end of the day this week, we looked at each other and we're like, you know what, we, we need to get this vehicle thing handled. We need to get these plants in the ground. And instead of being able to transplant these things in these four inch pots that I ordered online, <laughs> um, 
the pots were too short. The pots were like actually shorter than the plugs themselves. And that was the moment. That was the moment when I laid on the ground like this figure and just stared up at the sky and was like, I give up. I surrender. I'm trying to force all these things. There, this project isn't going to work the way that I think it is right now. Something's got to go. So we decided to delay our trip. That was our, our moment where we cho chose consciously to say, you know what? This is the lowest priority right now. We need to take care of these other things like a vehicle's top priority. Getting those plants in the ground before they get too big for those little containers is a next priority. Some of this other bureaucratic stuff is is not as not as time sensitive, but should be. Um, and uh, I think that at the end of the day, something like a trip can be rescheduled. Uh, it, it's it can be pushed to the back burner. It can it can lay fallow in the underworld, ready to be born again at a different time. So that's like a, a, a practical example, I hope, of this Gemini 3 energy that we're working with right now, that we're probably still going to be working with through this new moon cycle. Okay, I'm just going to look through the chat here, see where we're at, see if you have your stories here too. Josh is here. Josh, greetings from St. Louis. Many thanks for the reading a couple weeks ago. Good to see you, Josh. I hope you're doing well. I really enjoyed our, our chat. Josh and I had a really nice reading and really intelligent friend. Keep your eyes peeled for him. He's a, he's a talented astrologer who I think is going to do some great things out here in the world. Um, mortal and wild, Carol is here. Hello, Carol. Hey, just got here. Had a water emergency to deal with, but got half a water, <laughs> a half a water, but of free water. Okay, good. I'm glad it's working out. Carol and I have been going back and forth on this little seed thing that um, she posted this little seed pod that was jumping around and it sort of looked like a, a dried out frog or or newt egg but if anyone has any ideas of what a little jump tiny like smaller than a dime sized jumping egg like thing might be in England uh, let us know <laughs> we're trying to solve that mystery uh Jennifer says having a TSQU by the way what is that Oh, a T-square. T-square, by the way, Saturday, 10th house, Mars first, and Pluto and Venus. Oh, my. Well, we'll try to contextualize that for you, Jennifer. I believe you're a cap rising, so we'll see if we can figure that out. Um, I apologize if I'm not remembering your rising sign correctly. Marjorie says, yes, very, been very, very been there, done that type of thing. Yes. Um, it's been a lot of that energy, right? Tracy Gorman is here, says this Leo Sun Libra rising Gemini moon in the ninth gets it. Always buzzing around. Yeah, Tracy. I mean, that's a, you know, it's a it's a flitting energy. We're flitting from one flower to the next, right? We're kind of just exploring, tasting, uh, trying to figure out what what really inspires us. And eventually as we move into to cancer season, Cancer season is really about which of these choices do we want to nurture into maturity. So uh, we'll have the opportunity to, to really infuse life into our highest priorities. Uh, Jennifer says, a lot of this resonates when picking daisies and sweet peas in the field next door yesterday. Okay, good, good. Um, Marjorie says, this speaks so clearly to me right now. I love this perspective. All right. Well, this is why I share stories. I mean... We're all living these stories. This is something that another 
really great part of Sophie Strand's Flowering Wand book is um, the ability to craft a shared narrative, the ability to, to tell stories that are you know going on concurrently in our life. This is going to be part of uh, some of my programs moving forward is we are going to examine things in, from a technical perspective. You all know me. I, I enjoy the technical uh, contextualization. But we're also going to be sharing our stories. And while we share those stories, we are going to look at the technical aspects. So it really is an inter interactive and, um, I don't know if practical is the right word, but what we're doing is we're trying to connect the lived experience with the symbol that we can see in a chart or in a tarot card or things of that nature. And I, I love learning that way. That, that way of learning feels very alive to me and very useful, right? I, I, having a lot of Virgo planets in my chart, I want something to be immediately useful if I'm teaching it to somebody. And, and storytelling, collective storytelling is, is one of the ways that Hermes teaches through stories. So yes, keep, keep telling your stories here in these chats, friends. I love learning from your stories as well. I mean, I, I know that maybe some of you are learning from, from the experiences I'm going through, but that's just one experience in a, in a, uh, a polyphony of stories, a symphony of stories. This is something, another thing, I just, I love this book. If you haven't read this book, get it, okay? Because she's a poet and so wise and talking about how there is room for an oboe. There's a room for a double bass. There's room for a violin in a symphony. And each of these instruments is our individual stories, our individual experiences. They all have very different timbres. They all have very different sounds. They all have different roles within the, the symphony itself. And they come together in an assemblage to make beautiful music. Sometimes for a long time, sometimes for a very short time. This is the other thing too that this book is teaching me is Nature being an assemblage, it's not always a permanent condition. Sometimes there are ecosystems that are constantly in motion, constantly in, in flux, constantly changing. And this is another thing we have to learn about Gemini season is that we are, we are constantly changing. And when we try to hold on too tightly to one idea, to one way of thinking about a situation, that actually causes the suffering. I mean, this is... Here's the suffering of getting too attached to one particular outcome, one particular method, one particular narrative in your life. And that flexibility is going to liberate you. Okay. Uh, Tracy says, I was just about to mow the lawn when I saw this live. Okay, Tracy. Well, you know, stick some headphones on, mow the lawn. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to keep you from yard work, but um, you know, hopefully I can uh, make the, the, the work go a little quicker if you're, if you're multitasking today. Yeah, Tarya is confirming that Gemini season has been crazy busy. Busy time, I agree. Steven has been working on repainting a face on a mannequin head for a hairstylist friend of mine. Also working on other projects as well. Well, there you go. Okay, that sounds like a creative project that you're doing, Steven. Jennifer said, my dad just got out of rehab at 81 years old and wanted him to come live with me, but had to let go of him wanting to still live by himself. 
Okay, so that's a choice, right? Trying to keep something, you know, one option alive uh, to be able to infuse life into the situation that is the the highest priority right now, which is, um, you know, being able to, I don't know, have independence at that age. Uh, that's something where we're, you know, he may be having to come to terms with release. And, you know, the the easier we time we're going to have with it is when we don't fight the current of our life, when something really just needs to happen, right? Oh, and yeah, and Jennifer says, Gemini rising 28 degrees. Okay, so you're living this this new moon there, Jennifer. Or your father is, if that's your father's rising. I'm sorry. Carol says, I think you might be right about the newt. The little green thing inside was swaying when I moved it to a safe space. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. Well, Carol, what I would suggest is look up some symbolism related to newts and salamanders because that may be a message for you is that there's maybe a little baby newt and salamander energy trying to reach you right now. Lisa is here. Hello, Lisa. Nice to see you, friend. Um, Lisa, we, we, are, we were talking about the previous book club book, which is The Flowering Wand by Sophie Strand, which I've been really enjoying. We're coming to the end of that uh, cycle for guided group study. And we're going to be launching within the next week or so the next guided group study for the summer where we're going to be reading The Secrets of the Waitsmith Tarot by Marcus Katz and Tally Goodwin. And if you want to know when that's going to be live and you can sign up for it, um, sign up for the email list because I'm probably launching that sometime shortly after the new moon. Um, okay. Oh yeah, Jennifer says she's a Gemini rising and he's a Sag rising. Well, there you go. You all are on the axis. And that's an interesting point, Jennifer, because both of you have mutable rising signs. And whenever we have uh, a, a lunation, like a new or a full moon, in an angular house, one, ten, seven, or four, we're going to feel it a little bit more personally. There, there's going to be some, it's going to be more focused on us specifically rather than, uh, maybe having it be a little bit more about the people around us, we're going to feel it really intensely. I've been, um, I'm ready for a new moon that's not in a fixed sign. So I'll be, hopefully this one will be a little bit gentler than some of the last ones have been. Yeah, Lisa, we're going to, a lot of you have been asking about more um, deep dives into the tarot. So this book, this this book, I think, is one of my favorite tarot books right now. And um, I think one that is really going to help us to understand the context of how that deck was born. It's also just a, a, a tarot teaching tool. It's not just history. Um, it does talk about card significations and things of that nature. So really excited and looking forward to that. Okay. Jody's here. Hello, Jody. Hello from South Florida. Nice to see you, friend. Okay. So that's story time for the very beginning stages here. Um, what do you say we open up the chart and take a look at some of the themes via the chart? So here is our chart. And we are looking at the new moon in Gemini 3. And this is going to be, the moon's going to be becoming new. On June 18th, Sunday, 12.37 a.m., depending on your, your place and time, it could be a different day. 
Um, but this is, we're seeing the sun and the moon coming together, which always happens at a new moon, at 26 degrees of Gemini. And for those of you who are newer to astrology, I, I talk a lot about the decans on this channel. And a decan is a 10 degree section of a sign. And in this case, we're, in, we're talking about the final 10 degree section of Gemini. And each of those 10 degree sections has its own planetary ruler, uh, tarot card from the minor arcana, and like a spirit that is associated with it. There's, there's all sorts of layers to this. And if you want a deeper dive into this, there's actually a free talk I did on the Deccans that's on my YouTube channel. Um, I was a, a guest speaker for the Nightlight um, speaker series. And that talk is free on my channel. I, be I believe uh, it's called Face Off, <laughs> like incorporating the Deccans into your practice. And I have a little hockey you know, player on there. Um, but there are so many lenses that you can look at the Deccans throughout history through. The one that I generally like to stick to just because this is one I've become entrained to. It's like a radio dial that I've tried to tune into. Is the spirits from a Hellenistic fragment text called the 36 Heirs of the Zodiac. If you're looking for it online, search for uh, Cosmos of Jerusalem. C-O-M-S-A-S. Or C-O-S-M-A-S of Jerusalem. And there's a little PDF that you can download from scribbed or something like that it's only like one or two pages long um but there's a lot of uh wisdom to be gleaned from that and in this decan we're dealing with a spirit called praxodike and praxodike is the exactor of justice so this is where when when austin Kopic in his book 36 faces talks about um, the executioner's sword it's a direct reference to praxodike okay so here is the, the, the energy of saying we have to eliminate some of these options. It's a solar decan, so we're getting some awareness of where these choices are going to lead us. All right. We also, because it's a solar decan, we are seeing dualities in high contrast, as I talked about earlier. So we may be even getting a little, we have to be careful to not get too fixated on saying, no, this has got to go permanently forever. I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is soften the choice that you're making by, by saying that you don't have to eliminate every single part of a choice forever, right? Like if one part of your, let's say a part of your relationship isn't working, you don't have to execute the relationship if you're working on one part that you want to eliminate. That's one of the things that can be challenging in this decade is saying, you know, this isn't working. So the whole thing's got to go, you know, like this is, I've dealt with some Gemini threes in my life that were um that became a nemesis of sorts and that was the type of energy that created a lot of conflict between us was the all or nothing black or white type of thinking where if one little part of something wasn't working then everything had to be blown up and that that created a lot of tension so just be very careful about that in your life right now that you may be dissatisfied with something in your life, but try to see it as dealing with the specific challenge itself rather than conflating everything into one container and saying, I've got to just eliminate everything about this, right? 
It's easy to do. I've, I've been guilty of it in the past. And I've had to catch myself and say, you know what? I don't have to release this idea completely or this relationship or whatever it is. I just need to focus on the one part of it that isn't working. And everybody is going to have different, you know, requirements around that. I was looking at this kind of, a, it was like a reel on Instagram the other day about relationships and a lot of the times in relationships, and, and this is apropos for Gemini because Gemini, we tend to have a lot of projection energy. We're dealing with others. There's a lot of communication energy because Gemini is a Mercury ruled sign. Um, we tend to project our shadow onto an other. And this is something that Liz Green talks a lot about in her book, The Astrology of Fate for the Gemini section specifically. Oftentimes when we have something unresolved, an unresolved duality within us, we're projecting it onto somebody else. And that can lead to a lot of conflicts. That can lead to a lot of doubt about our relationships with others, etc. And this, this reel was talking about how relationships are never 50-50. Relationships are always some combination of sometimes you're at a 20, sometimes you're at 80, sometimes you're full and you're having to uplift the other. Sometimes both of you are at a 10. And that's when relationships get really tough. Whenever your energy levels don't add up to 100, that can, that's when the conflicts really start in a relationship. So what do you do at those times when both of you in a relationship don't have enough to give to the other? And that's when, you, you know, the patience comes in. That's where the grace comes in. That's where the, the acceptance that our best in that moment may not be the ideal, but it may be the best that we have in that day, and it may change the next day. It may change the next week. Um, it doesn't mean that you allow, you know, abuses to go on. It doesn't mean that you ignore things that are dysfunctional within a relationship. It just means that if you're expecting everything to be sliced down the middle equal, that's really just not the reality of how relationships work. Um, some of you may have better balances than others, and those balances are fluid. Again, one person in the relationship may be pulling a lot of weight for a particular time, and then the other person may be taking over at different times. Um, for example, like, I've been doing a lot of driving, like, in the last little while, like, and it's been, you know, if I'm honest, it's been taking away from my normal routine and, and my work. Like, it's been making my work a, a more difficult because I need to drive my partner back and forth from work. Um, but that's an, a priority. She needs to get to work, and that's a sacrifice that I have to make in the moment that I'm willing to make because I love her right? And there's been sacrifices that she's made for me over the course of the years that have taken away from maybe something that she wanted to do, but she loves me. Those are, those are the exchanges that we're, we're trying to reconcile throughout this. So that's a long-winded way of saying, back off the ultimatums. If you're feeling a, a need to make one of those during this time, and see if you can find an innovative solution. I'm going to look through the chat here and see what you all think of some of those things. Lisa's here with a 23 Gemini on the MC. So you have the same Midheaven, Lisa, as Paul McCartney. 
Um, he has a 23 degree Gemini midheaven, and I believe his this new moon is going to be right on his sun. So I'm I'm curious if something comes out. Actually, there is already something coming out with with Paul McCartney. I, I was going to say this new moon is going to put him in the spotlight somehow, but I was reading that there is a new Beatles song coming out uh, in the next little bit due to um, artificial intelligence being able to recreate John Lennon's voice on this recording. So yeah, that's 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 pretty uh, thrusting all of those Beatles into the spotlight type of thing. So that's it's fun. Um, Jennifer says we're we're both coming to terms with life's complications. Yeah, this is you and the other, right? And this is we're we're dealing with a lot of partnership issues right now with the tw twin energy. Um, Dimphy says me as a Gemini ascendant again the loss of a longtime friend last weekend and the approach. Approaching farewell of my old feline, Nini. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Dimphy. That's such a difficult transition. Um, and I'm referring more to the cat. <laughs> it's, 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 it's tough saying goodbye to, lo to longtime friends, but it's, I, in my experience, have found that losing a, a pet companion is, is so hard. It's one of the hardest things I've ever experienced because I'm a, kind of a homebody and a hermit, and... Um, those those cats, dogs, gerbils, birds—they do a lot of heavy lifting for for us introverts, and um, it's really it's a difficult transition. Pets really teach us the lesson of lo unconditional love and impermanence, because they they give it to us so freely, and but they're here for such a short period of time, and we we can project all sorts of feelings of um, them being a best friend, a child, etc., and. Losing them is, is tough, so I'm sorry, Dimphy, that that's going on, and hang in there. Jennifer's talking about all the Geminis and <laughs> their family. Monique has this uh, right on her son's ascendant. Shout out to uh, Brody and, and Lindsay, who, Lindsay's the most famous listener of this show. She's really famous, you guys. She's one of the most famous listeners of this show and i'll tell you what she can sell some girl stickout cookies and um yeah look out for Lindsay. she's a star there you go um and brody <laughs> sorry brody to leave you out buddy <laughs> like it looks like you've been doing some fun stuff with your baseball team and and i'm glad that you're getting to have some fun doing some sports my friend I'm just shouting out the young listeners, friends. I, I think that it's nice that we have multi-generational people, multi-cultural people, multi-countries. Uh, th this is a show for everyone. Uh, Don says, Don is here. Hello. Super late today. Uh, let's see. Don says, I thought it was one central. Oh, no. Well, you're here now, Don. And the beautiful thing is it's it'll be recorded. And if you missed anything, you can go back and listen to it. Um, okay. And thank you, Don, for the super sticker. Appreciate you, friend. Yeah, that's another way. If you want to support the work that I'm doing, you know, easiest thing you can do is like the video, share it with your friends, subscribe to the channel, turn on notifications, sign up for the email. But if you want to um, contribute materially to the work that I do, uh, there's a little dollar sign in the in the chat. It's called a super chat or a super sticker. And that really does support the work that I do here. Um, 
you can also purchase my webinars. The Deccans of Gemini are on sale right now until the 21st, or you can schedule a reading. All of those are ways to support everything that I'm doing here. Okay, okay, okay. Looking through this chat. Oh, everybody is giving condolences to Dimphy. I think everyone here has probably felt, you know, on some level, the pain of losing a pet or a friend or something like that. So we're with you in spirit, Dimphy. Don says, check in daily. Loved when Brene Brown shared that a while back too. What percentage are you at today? Yes, yes. Referring to the percentage relationship and checking in with your partner, right? You know, communication is so key. A lot of the times we make a lot of assumptions about how everyone's doing. And some of us are, you know, better at communicating our emotions and how we're doing. And other people have struggled with it. There's sometimes there's a lot of layers that things go through. And um, a lot of people sometimes can't even, they don't even realize when their tank's getting low, right? We've been so trained to just power through in late stage capitalism and just keep going and keep grinding, keep expanding, keep trying to do all this bullshit. And sometimes we have to compartmentalize and turn off the voice and the voices that say you are burnt out right now. I'm not saying that that's what we should do. I'm just saying that that's a position many of us have been forced into. So if you have someone in your life that, that isn't communicating with you, it may be because they've just had to compartmentalize a lot of that to, to get through their day in what is a difficult situation for a lot of people trying to make it through just doing their jobs, affording a house, affording a car, like taking care of kids, you know, taking care of pets. Everyone's got a different challenge. And again, checking in and communication and, and, and a little bit of compassion is, is, is the key. Uh, Laura's here. Hello, Laura. Edis is sort of sounds like saying throwing the baby off, baby out, throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Yes, that's a that's a good metaphor too, Laura. You don't you don't want to get rid of something that's good just because there's, uh, you know, you got to change the water, right? Um, Marjorie says twenty six Gemini's. I'm a natal Mars, which is the antitia to my Cancer Sun. I can be so all or nothing at times. Thanks for showing me that. Yeah, and you know what? This is the beauty of astrology is when we, it can show us both our strengths and our weaknesses. It can give us a new awareness of of the things that we may, the approaches that we may take. I like to think of the planets as, um, we don't have to follow the influence of every planet in our chart. Oftentimes the planets are subtle suggestions. They may cause a feeling to arise in us that that may feel very powerful in the moment. Like there may be a f strong feeling, Marjorie, of an all or nothing energy that comes up. But that's where your free will and your, and your choice comes in. You can choose to follow that influence or you can choose to um, slow down, practice some, you know, breathing techniques or something and, and maybe choose a different thing. And certain things are going to be easier and harder for each of us. And that's really the, the spice of life, right? Like... Uh, you know, for me, getting on here and doing these live streams and kind of doing some of it off the cuff is is, is fairly easy. I'm very, I'm fairly comfortable with that. For someone else, that might be really really difficult. So, and, and there's things that are really difficult for me that may be really easy for someone else. Like, uh, I don't know, leaving the house all the time. <laughs> like, it's it's hard for me. I don't really like doing that. But for someone else, it may be just like breathing, um, going and doing social things all the time. So we all have strengths and weaknesses. 
Jennifer says, so true, Spencer. I've learned a lot in speaking up for myself in the last year, 60 year perfection Mercury ruled. Yeah, that's a big year, isn't it? When we get into that, um, believe that's a first house perfect. No, is it? Is that first house perfection year, 60? No, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that's the first year perfection. So a whole new cycle starting. Um, okay. Josh says, speaking of the Beatles release, it is like Paul raising John and George from the underworld momentarily. And as a Beatles superfan, mixing AI into this does not bode well with me. Yeah, I hear you, Josh. I, I think that's a great point as far as like raising John and George from the dead, right? Like he, he literally is one of the, the, the remaining twin. This was something that I put in my newsletter. I said, Paul is the, the twin that lived. You know, and um, yeah, it, there is something a little weird about it, isn't it? I agree with like putting words into a dead person's mouth or, or you know, a song into their mouth. Is, we're living in strange times. So uh, that's a great point, Josh. Modern Goldilocks, thank you for the super sticker, friend. I appreciate you. All right. Um, yeah, Don says, I'm with you, Josh. I love most techie stuff, but I struggle with things of this nature. Yeah, we're, we're, we're heading into times where we're really going to have to start examining the ethics uh, of the technology that we're utilizing. And it's an important question that we should continue to ask one another and continue to have the conversation. And what I will say, too, is that what was once the right answer does not mean that it will be the right answer forever. So we may feel a certain way ethically about something today, and then we may have to pivot because of new circumstances that come up in the future. So I would, you know, I would encourage you, even with your beliefs and your, your moral fiber, to have some flexibility with that as well. It doesn't mean that you have to just change with every single new fad or something like that. There are some timeless and eternal things. But I think that, to me, as humans, one of our greatest strengths is our flexibility and our adaptability. And we're seeing this with like our need to adapt to a changing climate, to a changing population on the planet, an exploding population on the planet. Um, all these require different approaches, different choices, different values. And um, I think it's really interesting to see how we can navigate that as a species together. Modern Goldilocks says, here from Sacramento. Very cool. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Well, I appreciate it, Goldilocks. I hope that this is, uh, this podcast, <laughs> I'm just laughing at what I'm about to say, is just right for you. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, it's such a dad joke. Um, I, I, this is a ridiculous show sometimes, <laughs> but I appreciate that you are here. Um... Okay, so we're looking at this chart uh, of the new moon. We're trying to give some context to Gemini in particular. And so let's break it down. We've got the, the, the moon and the sun in the third decade of Gemini. We have the host of this lunation co-present, which it's Mercury. Okay, so we have Mercury in its own domicile. Um, in a very powerful position, okay? So this lunation has access to all of its preferred resources. 
to make the decision that is most important to you, to breathe life into the, the thing that the highest priority, you have all of your mental faculties at your disposal, so to speak. Now, the challenge with this is, is twofold. First of all, Mercury will just have been separating from a square to Saturn, number one. So we have a square to Saturn. So we will have come across some of our limitations before this new moon. Um, I've been going through this with, uh, we've been dealing with exploring our budget for a new car. And we've gone through a number of different idealized budgets and the research that is uh, done in specific price ranges is very different when you realize that mm, maybe our budget isn't that lucrative and <laughs> we have to scale it back a little bit and then you have to start the process over again so uh, i think that that's part of the the mercury saturn square is coming to terms with some of the limitations before this lunation and when you do that, when you come to terms with the limitations, that will actually make the choice easier. Uh, yes, it will be frustrating in the moment, but if you accept where you're at, you will be you'll be flowing with circumstances and flowing with the Tao, right? With the uh, the current, rather than trying to swim upstream. If you stubbornly go about your business and your idealized version of whatever your reality should be <coughs> cough you know <laughs> neptune and pisces uh square this lunation that's when you might be starting to create a situation of suffering for yourself for example if i have a certain budget that i'm working within and i'm so fixated on one particular vehicle that I that I want because I deserve it and blah 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 or whatever um, or some feature or whatever and I go ahead and spend the money anyway there may be some pain in the future due to not living beyond my means I'm a big believer of living within your means I this is something that my father preached to me over many 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 years is living beyond your means causes suffering. Now that doesn't mean that you can't change your station. You can't if you expand your means then your lifestyle can change within that. But oftentimes, especially in America, people are encouraged to live beyond their means because this society and this culture is built on debt. And I am a, very much not a fan of debt. I don't use credit cards. I the, I've reluctantly taken on a mortgage, but that, you know, the debt that you need is sometimes a house. I haven't had a car payment in a, a number of years, and this is what's been really difficult for me with the, the car searches. I really don't want another car payment, and um, we're trying to figure out how we can do that without getting a giant car payment that will put us under under debt water, right? I th There's a term for this that I really resonate with, and it's called debt slavery. Uh, and I know that that's, it's not a one-to-one -to, -one to actual slavery. I want to, I want to really make that clear because sometimes people talk about debt slavery and then they compare it to like actual, you know, chattel slavery from the late 1800s. And that we don't want to make that mistake. 
but I do think that there is a, a, a lot of uh, feelings of feeling trapped in a debt experience. And how do we accept some of the limitations that we have? One of the ways that you can do that, that I have learned, and that this lunation may be encouraging us to do, especially with one of the other factors in this lunation, which is Saturn stationing retrograde shortly before the new moon. Here's a concept that I was preached to, preached to by my Taurus rising father <laughs> endlessly. It's called delayed gratification. And delayed gratification is basically the concept of you don't buy it until you can afford it. You save up and then you, you buy it when you can afford it. And I understand that there are circumstances where that's not always possible, but I do think it is a pretty good way to live your life as far as saying, you know what? I don't have to immediately gratify that whim or desire in this exact moment. I can put myself in a position where I don't have to be a, a debt slave and I can live my life with freedom. In my estimation, in my opinion, time is the greatest wealth. And for me, I've always, I'm always making the calculations of when I purchase something, how much time am I trading for this thing? And it's, it's really led to a lot of different choices in life. And I think that, I think it's important to kind of consider that, especially with Saturn stationing retrograde on Saturday the 17th, learning to live within your means, practicing delayed gratification. And, and this isn't a, totally an easy thing to do, okay? Because every type of advertising in Western civilization is set up to encourage you towards instant gratification. So this isn't just, oh, you need to have some discipline. This is like you, are, you have to fight to embrace the concept of delayed gratification. You have to be super strong. You have to be willful, right? You have to like swim against the current of being bombarded by information that is trying to manipulate you into instant gratification. So I, I hear you. I feel you. Don't feel bad if you've fallen short of the delayed gratification glory. There's always ways to practice that as you move into the future. So that's my like little ed dad advice about <laughs> like coming directly from my own father um, about, you know, living within your means. There's so much stress that can come from being house poor, car poor, uh, time poor, right? That at the end of the day, what is the quality of life that you are trading for the thing that you are purchasing? Now, that being said, sometimes you have to go out and take a risk. Sometimes the flip side of this is sometimes you do have to say, you know what? I can expand my uh, flow of abundance. I can open up to a, an abundant world. And that is going to look different for every single person. I'm not saying that every single person has to live, you know, a Spartan existence. That's not fair. Um, but I do think that there is going to be a different threshold of what, what you deem as your values and what is valuable to you. And again, you don't have to, I think that the, the real crux of it is not comparing yourself to someone else, 
um, and living within the, the value structure that is appropriate for you, rather than comparing yourself to someone, someone else who may need or have different needs. And this is part of the projection energy of, of Gemini, so we don't want to project too much. So factors involved, we've got a square with Neptune, and the Neptune card that, it, that Neptune is moving through is the Ten of Cups, right? The third decan of Pisces. And this is a, a decan that is really about what are you willing to sacrifice for your dream? And it's a Mars ruled decan. So think about that for a minute. We've got Mars hanging out, the Mars room in a Jupiter temple, okay? So this is saying, what are you willing to fight for? What are you willing to sacrifice for to achieve your idealistic dream? And that may be coming into conflict with all of the choices that you have, okay? Now, Saturn in the first decan of Pisces has been encouraging us to get real with the narratives that shape our reality, the, the mythologies that, that craft the underground mycelium of our life. And mycelium is, is the, the, the underground network of a mushroom that is connected to all these different things. So we all have neuro pathways that look very much like mushroom mycelium uh, in our brains that are, that are encouraging us to take actions based on our past experiences. Everybody has it. And if they say that they aren't, they're lying because we're all an accumulation of our experiences and, and our belief systems and all of these things. And Saturn says, which of these things are, do you want to craft your life around? Which of these things are operating uh, unconsciously in your life? And are they serving you or are they a limitation? Are they a palace? Are they a prison? Uh, which of these dreams that are operating below the surface of your life are worthy of continuing to put energy into and which ones need to die? You know, so Saturn is the ultimate like um, alarm bell. And I mean that like in, a, in a, an alarm that is saying the time has come, right? It's time to get up. It's time to wake up. It's, it's an endings. It's a completion process. So which dreams have, have completed and no longer are, are vital and which ones need to become real? Saturn is also a planet that concretizes things into reality. So by Saturn stationing, number one, Saturn is a planet that moves excruciatingly slow. If you try to skip any steps in a Saturn cycle, you're going to be met with all sorts of roadblocks and brick walls. So this is a time where it feels like things are, are slowing way down. Okay, like Mercury is a planet that wants to move quickly. It wants to, it's, it's one of the swiftest moving planets in the, in, the, uh, in the zodiac, right? And the problem that we have when we have Saturn in Pisces and a stack up in Gemini is that Saturn is in the overcoming square to the lunation, to Mercury, to all this Gemini exploration. It's saying, slow down. What are your values? What does this mean? Are you thinking this through? And Saturn's going to be retrograding for, I mean, let's, let's look at it. I believe for a number of months, I believe it's till November, but I have this handy dandy thing on here. There it is, November the 4th. There is Saturn's direct 
motion at zero degrees of Pisces, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of the sign. <laughs> so you may have some value reevaluations that are happening throughout the, the most of the rest of 2023. So slow your roll, figure out what's most important to you, figure out what you need to let go of and how you're going to move forward, crafting the structures of your life. Okay, so we go back to the chart here. We, we always look for the helpers in these charts. So we have Saturn in an overcoming square. That's the hindrance. That's the malefic that's saying, hmm, this might be a no, <laughs> like, right? We do have a benefic planet that is sextiling. So we do have Mercury sextiling the lunation and Mercury, okay? Mer a Mercury-Venus sextile. And Mars is sextile, the by whole sign as well. So we've got these, these Leonine energies. We've got Venus and Mars and Leo. The second decan of Leo, which uh, is consecrated or syncretized with the six of wands, which shows a figure that is uh, returning home from battle victorious. And so this is like a military victory or something like that. Someone being acknowledged for their skill or for their uh, prowess. But they're, they're on a parade back to make a sacrifice at the temple of Zeus. So it is not just their own victory that is being celebrated. It is not just their own ego. It is a, an acknowledgement that they received divine grace as well. So think about this in, the, in those terms and in that context also, is that uh, we may be very much desiring acknowledgement for who we are, who and what we are. We may be attracted, Venus, to authenticity, Leo. We may be fighting for uh, to be seen or to, to be respected. But it's not just us. It's, it's how can we come into alignment with the, the Jupiterian Zeus energy of that Deccan uh, and acknowledge the, the, the grace that we've been given along the path that has led to our victories. So gratitude is one of the biggest parts of that Deccan, I think. It's not just saying, look at me. It's saying, look at all of the people that helped me to get to where I am type of thing. Okay, it's a, it's a parade. It's not a singular person. It is a collective, collaborative effort. Okay. You know, we also, in this chart, have uh, Pluto is retrograded back into Capricorn. So there's probably going to be some uh, structural bureaucratic red tape to go through. I'm dealing with all sorts of bureaucracy this, this week. Um, I'm not going to go too far into depth with that, but it's just a pain in the butt and a lot of like paperwork that needs to be filled out for, for, you know, basic things in your life, you know, and it's, it's very stressful. Um, you know, whenever you're dealing with like a slow moving government entity and you have to fill out all sorts of paperwork around things, it, it, it can, there's a lot of frustration that can come out. So there, I bet some of you are probably experiencing this on some level as well. Um, let me look through the chat here. Let's see. Paul is here. It says four Taurus planets. Well, okay, Paul. Um, you, you're getting a, a dose of Jupiter in the North Node and Uranus. 
It says, nice jerseys, nice restaurant, and hard work to completion. Tauruses are amazing. <laughs> okay. Paul's getting his own victory parade right there today. <laughs> Chris Peterson is here. It says, my birthday is June 18th. I have my sun and moon in Gemini Natalie. Wow, Chris. So, Chris, you are going to have a, a pretty interesting birthday and birth year since that's going to reflected in your solar return so um i guess chris my advice would be just be careful about uh your choices try to stay flexible uh, as you are figuring out what stays and what goes and um you might not be able to keep every option open this year right and it might be time to choose and that's okay again you can circle back to it at, at, a, at another time if it's really truly a priority um Okay, Dimphy says, perhaps then a motorcycle. <laughs> Dimphy, I, I will tell you, I've been on a motorcycle one time in my life. My stepdad had a, like a Kawasaki something, and I was 11 years old, and I got on the back of that thing, and I was absolutely terrified out of my mind the entire time I was on that. I just do not think I have the right type of personality to be a motorcycle person. But to each his own, you know? <laughs> so I don't know if that's an option for me. But um, yeah, it would be cheaper. Maybe. Some motorcycles are super expensive. Um, okay. Lisa says, the Saturn piece was very helpful. I'll get trines again to my Scorpio placements. Good. Yeah, you know, the other thing about this uh, Saturn stuff is that once things start to move into Cancer, it's going to start alleviating the tension we're feeling from the overcoming square. So just hang in there. If your mind's just going crazy right now, just hang in there. You know, one of the things that I talk about in my Decans of Gemini webinar is the association with uh, that webinar, or I'm sorry, with, the, with Gemini, and I'll show you this here, um, with the 12th house of the Thema Mundi, okay? So let's let's take a look at that real quick. I'll just give you a preview. Okay, this is on sale for a few more days. So one of the things that I talk about in this webinar is the the angular triad that a specific uh, set of signs are a part of. And the Thema Mundi is a philosophical natal chart of the world that is a Hellenistic teaching tool. And here you see Gemini as the the twelfth house in the Thema Mundi which is a time before birth. This is a time, a pregnant time. It is a time that is, it is a sign that is, was previously on the ascendant by primary clockwise motion before it moved off the ascendant. So it's being pulled away from a sense of self, but it is also reflecting a, a, a time that is past. There's a, there's a story that I think is really poignant for the, Gemini 12th house energy is that it and this is the myth of Ur. The myth of Ur is a, is a platonic teaching tool. It's really an ethical exploration. This is why I think that ethics come in with the lover's card, which is, is associated with Gemini. Myth of Ur talks about a Roman soldier that dies and goes into the afterlife and retains his memory. And he sees all of these souls that are dying and, and having to choose lots for reincarnation for their next life so they're given us a, a handful of lots and they have to choose from them with full awareness 
okay, of what all of those lives entail, right? The pros and cons and thinking about, you know, what is an ethical life? Which kind of life would you want to choose? So there is stress in choice, right? In the 12th house in particular, because we are thinking about the choices of what are we going to, what life are we going to live? What are we going to breathe life into? That's why in the cancer, transition to cancer with the two of cups here, we say, here's our choice. This is what we're feeling attracted to. This is the merging of body and spirit after we've, we've chosen our lot. But the, the transition to the choice period is, it can be stressful. It can be a very 12th house experience. A lot of ambiguity, a lot of feeling lost, a lot of like mental gymnastics. And living as a 12th house person, this, this type of thinking of the 12th house really makes a lot of sense. I would say that one of my most difficult experiences in life is being decisive. I, I have the ruler, the son of my Leo ascendant in Cancer in the 12th house. I also have Venus in the second decade of Gemini here with the nine of swords. Making a decision is really has been very t- difficult for me in the past. Um, a lot of the times it was because I, I, I've shared this before on the channel, but there were certain conditions in my childhood that pulled me in a lot of different directions. I, w- I think that the most poignant one that comes to mind is that when I was about 10 years old, my divorced parents had a giant custody battle where I was sat down in a room with like a counselor or a judge or something where they were saying, all right, Spencer, which parent do you want to live with? <laughs> like, it's like, what? <laughs> like, which one do you love more? <laughs> like, that's a... And, and I may or may not have had actual agency in the affecting the outcome, but to a 10-year-old self, that, that felt like an enormous amount of pressure and felt like a no-win situation. And I think that that type of energy being split in those different directions, having I mean, going back and forth from different households all the time, really influenced my having to think long and hard about decisions. And my dad contributed to this too with, he was always like, think before you speak, think before you do. He, he was very much like slow every process down and maybe even to a fault. So if you have a 12th house placements, you, maybe you also have difficulty with decisions and you can connect with that, the myth of Ur, thinking about the ethical ramifications of the decisions that you're going through. And we can connect this with this lunation cycle. Okay, so that's the, the 12th house part of this. Okay. Um, I want to show you the third decan here. We've seen this journey from paralysis and frustration to anxiety, and then finally collapse and surrender here. Okay, we've got Jupiter, Mars, Sun, the decans. And again, you can get this on my website, spencermichaud.com. I did a three-hour examination with a discussion and all these things, but here's Gemini 3. Some of the themes, the dark before darkness before the dawn, okay? The death of one choice, sacrificing imagined pathways. Uh, Malkuth in Yetzira. Malkuth is, a, is the uh, manifestation, right? Yesod, the nine, uh, in the Kabbalistic tree of life, is associated with the moon, the time before manifestation. Here's the manifestation. This is the result of overthinking something to death. This is the... You're not going to be able to carry on with that idea uh, into into 
forever or keep all the options open forever. Collapsing of possibilities into a single reality. Dropping the spinning plates. Okay, releasing indecision. So questions, which twin or option needs to die so that the other can live? Are you allowing ambiguity or making ultimatums? Again, I, I, I would caution against that. Okay, you, you don't want to back yourself into a corner that you eventually will have to back out from. Okay, um, this is something I've noticed in a lot of, some, in some Gemini folks is that they will make an ultimatum and then eventually have to backtrack off of it. Uh, are you overthinking? How can you balance hyper-rationalism with intuition? Okay. This is, this is really the, the balance point between all of the Piscean placements, Saturn and Neptune, and our Gemini placements. What, where do you need to release the weight of knowing too much? This is another Gemini issue, is the, 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 the suit of swords in the tarot talks about thoughts, ideas. And the 10 is a point where we are oversaturated with some of those. The tens of any suit. We're oversaturated with thoughts and ideas in this Deccan. We're oversaturated with passion in the, the wands. We're oversaturated with emotional idealism in the cups. And then we're oversaturated with material things like wealth in the ten of, of pentacles. So where can we release the, the, what, what we think we know and surrender? to being guided. And then how can you embrace closure and live with the consequences? This is definitely a decan of consequences. When you choose a lot in life, you, you're, you're choosing the pros and the cons of that life. And when you make a choice, you're going to have to live with the, the letting go of the other choice that you didn't choose. And that, that can feel heavy at times. And then finally, can you surrender to love and infuse life into your highest priority? This is one of the solutions that T. Susan Chang talks about in her 36 uh, Secrets book, where her remedies for this Deccan, the challenges of this Deccan, one of which is the Two of Cups, which is the next uh, Deccan in the cycle, where we're surrendering to love. We're opening our heart to someone else. We're breathing life into what we want to nurture into maturity. And she talks about the Two of Pentacles as potentially a um, remedy as well. Finding a change of scenery breaking up old habits, taking a trip, you know, shaking up your routines. Uh, my compromise with having to deal with all the other things that we're trying to work through is maybe we're not going to go away for five days, but we're definitely going to do a few like little day trips so that we don't have to feel the pressure of traveling for that long, but can still get outside of our daily habits and routines. I don't know about all of you, but I find traveling is wonderful. But it also is, it's a, it's a project in and of itself. It is not just, oh, we're just going to go on a trip. Like if, if there's preparations that, that are, can be very stressful. Um, if you're not, especially if you're not used to leaving home very often, um, there were just a lot of things in place that would have happened before we left that just were not, were not happening because of the other priorities that, that had cropped up. Um, so those are some things to think about with Gemini 3. So I'm going to stop my share here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a little stretch here. I think this is a nice point in the show where we should stretch out and uh, get a little drink of water. This is a great opportunity for you to stretch as well, to get a drink, to get a snack. Um, it's also the time in the show where I say, hey, you know, do you, if you can do me a huge favor, hit the like button. 
subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the newsletter. Okay. If you want to make a donation, this is a great time to hit the little dollar sign in the chat for a super chat or a super sticker. It's always appreciated. Oh, Got to shake it out, right? Today I'm wearing purple for Jupiter and uh, getting a little bit of like that spring energy uh, with the green hoodie too. Okay. It's important to move your body, especially if you're sitting too long. We've been sitting here for like an hour and a half. And uh, I have to just pay attention to my body and keep it rolling. It feeds your brain too. If we sit too long, I feel like our ideas can get stagnated as well. One of the things I highly recommend is if you're dealing with a problem and you just can't figure out a solution, just go for a walk. There's, I feel like I heard someone say that there's nothing that a walk makes worse. You know, It can really open you up to new ideas because you're just moving your body. You're, you're putting things into motion. And you might be able to see, you might be able to relax, you might be able to get some new nature, might run into some neighbors that have some ideas. There's all sorts of possibilities. So movement is important. So I'm gonna check in with the chat here. And then what we'll do in the final part of this, um, we will look at an animal and we will look at a, an I Ching, but we'll also take it briefly through the houses. So I'm going to pull the chat box up here again. Got so many, I've got a bunch of Gemini <laughs> tendencies here with so many windows open. I'm just going to see where you're all at with the uh, chat. <laughs> So, let's see. Mm. Oh, <laughs> Diffie says with the motorcycle, I meant Tanya, not you. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know if she's the type to be on a motorcycle either, there, Diffie. Like, I think the two of us, our Taurus moons are kind of like, mm, I don't know about that, but... Um, we both tend to be slightly risk averse, but it's an interesting idea. Um, the other reason that might not work, Dimpy, is that for Tanya's work, she does a lot of, she moves a lot of things around. She's a, the manager of a farmer's market. And um, the types of vehicles we're looking at are ones that are able to move things around. And I know that that might be an American cliche of like, we need these you know, hermit crab shell cars <laughs> to like have these like, you know, be able to carry everything with us all the time. But, eh, you know, if the shoe fits. Um, let's see. I need the new Apple AI glasses. <laughs> Why, Paul? <laughs> like, uh, what, what, for to what end? <laughs> um, I have a an aversion to like putting something on my face that is electronic. I just don't really, I'm just not into that. Like I, I think there might be some cool applications for it, but I'm somewhat of a Luddite. So you're probably not going to see me in AI glasses anytime soon. I have enough challenges with reality itself uh, and going into navigating other realities right now. <laughs> this feels overwhelming. 
Um, okay, let's see. Slava says, my IC is 17 degrees of Gemini, so it's nine of swords. How do you interpret this? I very often have nightmares, mostly at home. Well, Slava, to get a, a, a good read on your chart, I'd have to look at your entire chart. So I, I would suggest scheduling a reading for that. But um, it depends on the placement of your Mercury. But I will also say that the IC shows us sort of the, the conditions of our roots, the conditions where we, um, you know, it can represent our family, it can represent our parents, uh, it can represent kind of the conditions that we were raised in. Like here's an example, my IC is in the middle decan of Scorpio. And my home didn't feel like a safe space. It felt like a place where there was always these emotional innuendos and trying to figure out how to survive. It put me in fight, fight or flight uh, mode a lot. And with your IC in the, the, the second decan of Gemini, there's probably a lot of choices that, that brought you a lot of stress in your life when you were young or, or with your home or your parent uh, experience where maybe you got thrust into the position where you had to choose between things and that probably brought some stress. So, you know, I hope that you will be able to resolve some of those things as you get older and, and as you are, you know, coming into awareness of the, of the things that you really need too. Um, for me, I've learned that I need a lot of privacy in my home and I don't feel safe until I have a lot of space and privacy. But maybe for you, communication might be the part that could really resolve some of the tension, really, really like talking it out. Um, is <laughs> really pushing the motorcycle today with the sidecar. All I could think of is like Indiana Jones and like all the, where they're like having that high speed chase, <laughs> like the, the motorcycle with the sidecar. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, all right. Hey, Kelly, Kelly at the beach is here. Nice to see you, friend. All right. So I'm going to take these through the, the houses. And I'm going to show you each rising sign, and then we'll wrap it up for the day. Okay. So what we're looking at here to begin with is, hold on, let me make sure that I have everything in the right space here. Navigating many windows, friends. Oops, that was not the one I wanted. Um, <laughs> patience, please. There it is. Okay, can everybody see the, the chart with an Aries rising on there? I'm on a little bit of a delay, but here is an Aries rising chart. Um, so for Aries rising, you are going to be experiencing this new moon in the third house, potentially related to topics like siblings, your immediate environment, um, related to friendships, related to learning experiences where you're starting a new ritualized learning practice. Daily habits and rituals are part of the third house as well, being the joy of the moon. So we're experiencing something where 
you may have to make a choice when it comes to like, maybe if you're an Aries rising, you're starting a new educational experience and you can't do everything Aries rising. As much as your ambition might want to lead you to study all the things all the time, you may have to let go of one thing or you may have to let go of something in your daily routine so that you can prioritize the things that are most important to you. Um, you know, you might be feeling some pressure from Saturn in the 12th house that's asking you to retreat rather than engage socially. So I think that there's a lot of tension right now between the need to retreat and the need to engage socially. So, but you can look to maybe some assistance from, from uh, Venus, excuse me, and Mars in your fifth house. So, so exploring your personal creativity uh, and being able to, you know, shine your light out there could really be a, an assistance uh, in this particular experience. Okay, so I'm going to go a little quicker through these today than I have in the past. So, all right, so I'm going to go to Taurus Rising. So with Taurus Rising, we have see, we're seeing the new moon in the second house. So we have the second house related to personal finances, the everything that supports you. As I was telling you about the all of the challenges of the 12th house being pulled away from the point of power at the ascendant. Okay. The second house is everything that's kind of your, your support system that's supporting you personally, whether that's money, resources, all of those things. Your skill set is also uh, a part of that. So you might want to consider like, all right, I, I can't purchase everything. Something needs to go or I can't make money in every single possible way. I've got to choose something. Um, I can't reskill in every single way. I've got to make a choice. This is the time to make a choice. There may be some tension from Saturn and Neptune. And again, the, the, we want to look at the Neptune square also as being part of the, the conversation here. There may be some tension from the, the groups that you're a part of, Taurus Rising. Uh, you may be reevaluating your relationship with, with a group. Um, you may have been a little bit idealistic about the group that you're a part of, and now you're starting to uh, understand the reality of this. Um, I just had a friend who went to an astrology conference who was a Taurus rising, and I, I feel like they got a, a face full of reality as far as what the astrological community is all about. And some parts of it are amazing. Other parts of it may be, uh, you know, not as what, what, what was originally thought. So think about that. That could be part of it as well. And thinking about what your role is within that as well. I mean, consider too, you know, Jupiter's really not a huge part of the conversation in this particular lunation. Um, but Jupiter being in the first house of a Taurus rising chart, there is definitely an expansion going on for all of you folks. One thing I didn't mention about all this, and I will in the coming weeks, but um, next week, and I'm going to do a a live stream next week, I believe, on the astrology of July, but we're going to go through a lot of squares to Uranus in the coming weeks. Mars is going to kick us off next weekend with a square to Uranus. So if you have a fixed rising, like this Taurus rising chart here, there's there's some some stuff coming with Mars square Uranus uh, in the in the that's happening during this lunation cycle. Okay, so keep that in mind. And then Venus is going to square Uranus later in the year. And then we're going to have the Venus retrograde. Um, and then, you know, Mercury and the sun will square Uranus. And th this does happen generally with various planets. 
but it doesn't always happen every single year with like Mars in particular. So just keep your eyes peeled for that. I believe that's going to be perfecting June 25th or so, uh, a week, next weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend. So slow down during that period of time and slow your anger down around this period of time. This is, this is an aspect um, during this lunation cycle where you could fire off an ultimatum that could get really, uh, I don't know, not necessarily violent. It could get violent or it could get very heated really quickly. So be very careful about that. I think that's part of this. We don't want to say it's me or you, or it's us or them. Like that's, that's a, I think that's something that could really lead to the conflict of the Mars Uranus square in particular. Okay. So that's Taurus rising money issues, right? If we keep going, Here is Gemini rising. So here's one of our we're gonna one of our focal points is gonna be on mutable or double-bodied signs. This lunation. So here we have the lunation happening in your first house. And this is gonna be one that you're gonna feel really personally if you're a Gemini rising. And one of the stories from one of our community members here was with Jennifer talking about uh having a, a real change in their living situation and their role, potentially, I'm guessing, Jennifer. Um, with taking care of your dad, with him living with you. like So your role could be changing. You may have to let go of one particular role so that you can infuse your energy, your personal energy, into another one. Um, so Mercury is going to be assisting with this. Uh, Saturn is going to be providing some reevaluation and challenges and some slowing down energy from the 10th house. So there may be some some things where we're maybe getting a little bit too idealistic about uh, what we're capable of doing publicly because of the responsibilities that we have personally. And Saturn's going to say, you know what, you might have to let some of those things go. You may have to slow your roll a little bit and reevaluate what is most important to you. Um, it's important to rely a little bit on the help that you may receive from your friends and people in your community neighbors, siblings, friends, all of those things could be a point of, of support during this period of time as well for you, Gemini rising. Okay. Uh, Actia says, I'm a Gemini rising. This new moon is squaring my natal Mercury in the fourth house. This weekend, I'm putting my current home on the market and seeing a house my partner and I would like to buy. Wow. So definitely a big new moon for you with Gemini rising. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a lot going on. So that may uh, necessitate a shift in your own energy and, and your outpouring of energy and things of that nature. It's interesting too, because Mercury rules your fourth house as a Gemini rising also. So anytime that we have those two topics that are, that are conflated with one another, uh, with the same planet ruling, that they're going to be kind of connected. So I would also examine Actia as, as um, not just with your home, but who do you want to be? In your home like who do you want to be in this new with this new foundation that can be something that could could lead you to the right answer uh, and the right choice moving forward and you also started your first job in your new career Monday right okay well Actia Saturn's about to retrograde in that career house so there's gonna probably be some new things that you'll have to learn that'll slow things down a little bit but that's okay if you're if you're seeing your responsibility shift just go with the process, restructure a little bit. That's okay. It's just going to be a learning curve. Devin is here. Hello, Devin. 
get glad I get to hear one of your talks, Spencer. I'm usually working during your Venus Day talks, right? So this is a Jupiter Day talk for sure. So welcome, Devin. I'm glad you're here with me, us today, friend. Um, glad you're doing a Jupiter Day talk because I always feel like temple or church, the way you approach astrology. Yeah, so maybe this is sort of a different vibe than Venus, right? Um, and maybe it is a little bit more Jupiterian. Um, maybe it's a little bit more orthodox today, <laughs> a little bit less uh, sensual, potentially. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it, there is definitely different flavors. I, I have a different flavor when I'm doing them on a Saturn day, too. I usually do it either Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. There's been some rare Sunday ones, but it's definitely you can feel the influence of the planetary day. So thanks, Devin, for being here with us. Um, Lisa, thank you for the super sticker. I appreciate you, friend. I love the dancing avocado <laughs> or whatever this is here. I love it. Um, Dimphy says, my ascendant sun and moon, all in mutable signs natally. Well, you're going you're gonna to get a face full of this new moon, Dimphy. Um, so let's see. Actia says, totally great insight, Spencer. Thank you. And yes, I will have a slow onboarding process and a steep learning curve for sure. Yeah, Actia, that, I mean, that's... That's often how it goes when we're when we're starting a new project and we're starting a new experience. Um, I think that this summer is an opportunity to review a lot of things in our lives. We're going to have Saturn retrograde and Venus retrograding. So um, a lot of us have been wanting to move forward, myself included. I've been I have Jupiter in my 10th house right now, and I've been really looking at ways to expand what I do publicly. Um, and to be honest with you, to make some more money doing it. And because um, I have a lot more responsibilities that I did not have in the past. And it's going to take a, a lot of restructuring of our lives, of our skill set, of our what we're comfortable doing. Like a lot of times we get comfortable in certain situations and, and we have to force ourselves outside of that comfort zone. And I think this summer is a lot of it is about testing what will work and what won't, learning new things. Not necessarily having to see results right away, but but reprocessing. And if we go through it, go into it with that idea in mind, I think that we'll have a better outcome. Okay, Cancer rising. Cancer rising, you are having a 12th house new moon. <laughs> like, and your ascendant ruler is in the 12th, so this might be a time to take a break. Cancer rising has been doing a lot of stuff since Jupiter moved into their 10th and they're probably just like, oh boy, do I get to rest? When do I get to rest? So this may be a good time to examine how you uh, find peace, solitude, uh, things of that nature. Maybe you have to let go of something so that you can find the type of sanctuary that is important to you. Uh, I think that what I've learned about 12th house transits is that oftentimes if there's a malefic in the 12th house, I've experienced this recently, it's really hard to find peace. If there is a benefic planet there, sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's easier to relax and things like that. So this this isn't a benefic or a malefic planet. It's kind of neutral with Mercury. But what I will say is that the 12th house ruler is in the 12th, and that is positive. So this may be a good time to just say, I got to eliminate this option so that I can finally relax. The other thing that can happen with a 12th house lunation or something like that is there may be, unfortunately, there may be something where you are having to deal with some kind of 
undermining influence. Uh, remember, we talked about all the choices that face us in 12th house energy, the indecisiveness. This could be the beginning of another phase where you're going to have to, you know, maybe work through some indecisiveness and also a secret enemy that could be undermining you. Oftentimes, the secret enemy is really ourselves. Okay, so that's something that, that to keep in mind is that if there's somebody that's you feel might be blocking some manifestation or rest, it's it's important to look internally and say which part of myself is not integrated, which part of my own shadow is not integrated, so that I'm experiencing this as an external struggle. And when you can answer that question, oftentimes the external person struggle starts to fade away. And I've I've noticed this in my own life is I oftentimes bring a manifestation of the exact internal struggle in an external circumstance. And when I finally get clear about what I really want or who I really am, then that person doesn't have any power over me or that situation doesn't have any power over me anymore. So that's something to consider, cancer risings with this lunation. You're also probably going to be examining your belief systems. There may be some rose-colored glasses around a teacher, around a learning cycle, around maybe a, a, a you know, like a, I don't know, a guru or like a... Um, a religious organization or something like that that you're a part of. And there may be some tough Saturnian lessons that are coming in reviews about what you, what you truly believe in, what you really, what really is animating the, your life. Uh, look towards your second house, your own abilities, you know, with, with uh, Leo, Venus and Mars there. Um, it's okay to like say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, um, I don't know if the word is treat myself, but I think that there is there probably is a desire to spend some money right now if you're a Cancer rising. Uh, sometimes I see this as sun sign charts too, as a Cancer sun. Sometimes I look at it as Cancer in the first house, like I'm feeling like I'm ready to spend some money, but I have to be careful of it that it's not too much. Um, so just be be careful about Mars being there as well, but also believe in yourself, right? believe you know your authentic expression can help bring the resources that you need and maybe look to your authenticity to help move you through this challenging period of time um okay i'm gonna go to leo rising and i love these comments i can't get to every single comment today but i'm i see i'm seeing all of you if i sometimes i sometimes i do miss a comment here and there because what happens is when they come rapid fire it moves up and I can't always read every single thing. So I'm not trying to ignore everything. I'm just trying to keep us moving here today. Um, so Leo rising. So this is a uh, 11th house new moon for you. And this is a great time to initiate a new group endeavor. Um, I will be launching my next guided group study uh, after this new moon. Again, we're going to be studying The Secrets of the Waitsmith Tarot by Marcus Katz and Tally Goodwin. You'll be able to sign up for that uh, at the beginning of next week. I'm going to spend the weekend working on my promotional materials. So if you want to know when that goes live, please sign up for the newsletter. I will be uh, announcing that on the newsletter so that you can sign up for it. I would love to see uh, you know more of your faces in that group. We had a really, really awesome group this last time, and I, I hope that we can create that once again. Um, 
you may be str struggling with uh, some partner financial issues. Um, I, yeah, I've been I've been going through the red tape, bureaucratic red tape of getting a loan, <laughs> like to to work on this car issue. And there's some been some some things that have slowed down with that. So you may be having to reevaluate uh, shared resources. Um, and maybe even releasing some of the expectations that you may have had that could could have been Neptunian in nature. Maybe you thought that that something was you you had a number of shared resources, but that turned out to be not necessarily the case. Um, so that's something to consider Leo rising. Right now, Leo rising, you have Venus and Mars in your first house. It's a good time to attract supporters. It's a good time to to assert your will as well. Um, I know that that's not always the, the, it can be fairly easy for Leo Risings to do that depending on the other placements in your chart. Um, I know for me personally, there's there's been a push and a pull of trying to be receptive to the assistance that we need to get to move forward with our projects and simultaneously the need to be uh, aggressive and moving willfully towards the goal. I think it's a Leo rising right now, you're getting a push and a pull of receptivity and uh, aggressive self-directed action. And there are going to be times where you're going to have to put your foot on the gas and then times where you have to put your foot on the brake and, and, and kind of coast a little bit. I've been experiencing that, you know, Leo rising, you're going to, you're having Jupiter in your 10th house too. So it's a great time to think about plans for the future for expanding what you're doing out in the world. Um, I've got some things brewing like for the fall that I'm really excited about that are more long-term types of offerings. And uh, I'm going to be working on that over the next few months with Jupiter there. So you may, you may have a long-term project uh, that you may be working on. That's not necessarily ready, but it, but it, it's good to make plans for it. Okay. Oh, Callie says, can't wait to sign up. When will it start? Yeah. The next guided group study it's going to be very tarot and astrology focused. It's going to start on July 10th. Um, so the second week of July after all the holiday stuff. And it's going to go, we're going to go every other week. Um, we're going to meet on Mondays, at one o'clock Eastern time. And we meet for six sessions every other week. So it's about three months worth of uh, meetups. There's a discord server group where we have discussions. We meet in, in on zoom for a couple hours. Each time we meet up have some really, really in-depth discussions. We try to incorporate tarot, astrology, philosophy, mythology, all of the things into it. And we just have some really amazing exchanges. I've really enjoyed our conversations recently. Yeah, so keep your eyes peeled for that. But but July 10th is really the, the date that I'm focusing on for, for the beginning of that next cycle. And I'll give you all at least at least a month to sign up for it. And if, if you're needing some, like a payment plan or something, I have some payment plans available as well. Okay, let's talk uh, Virgo rising. So Virgo rising, we've, we've come to another uh, angular moon. Sorry, let me get this out of here. Oh, gotta get my circles right. Gotta get my circles right. Oh, this thing's in the way. Sorry, I just have all these weird things here and I'm trying to make sure that I'm moving them around right. Okay, there we go. 
Okay, so here is the 10th house uh, new moon for the Virgo risings. Now this is an interesting one, another interesting one, because your, your chart ruler is Mercury. So you have recently um, probably benefited from Mercury moving into its own domicile of Gemini, an improvement of its condition in Taurus for sure. And uh, there's a, probably a lot of things going on, a lot of different things pulling you in different directions for Virgo risings, especially with your public self, with the, your career, like things that you're doing publicly, public projects, visible things. So this will be a time where you just, you might not be able to jog, juggle every single project. You might have to figure out what your highest priorities are and let go of some things that, that are, you know, not the highest priority at this point. And that's not too difficult for you, Virgo risings. I mean, your natural tendencies is one of like harvest and of being able to eliminate things that aren't, you know, serving you at the moment. I think that's it's a contractive type of mercurial experience rather than an expansive one like Gemini. So just just be be your most Virgoian self and you should be able to, to work through this with ease. Um, there are some challenges with partnerships that need to be reevaluated around this period of time for Virgo rising. You've had Neptune hanging out there like maybe there was a partnership that was a little too good to be true and now Saturn is really saying it's time to get real about partners maybe business partners or or romantic partners and there's some restructuring that's going to be happening there may be some endings with that relationship but instead of just thinking about it as an all or nothing is it going to continue or end just think about it as which parts of this need to to end or which parts of this need to be restructured with Saturn turning retrograde you may need some recharge time too Virgo rising with uh Oops, with um, with Venus and Mars moving through your twelfth house, so this may be a good time to just take a break, take a vacation. You probably need some time off, you know, with all the action in your in your tenth house going on. So just chill out, relax. Try not to be too hard on yourself or the people in your life, and um, you should come through it okay. Okay, let's move on to liberalizing. I need to get a little drink of my shake here. I'm feeling the low blood sugar energy. There we go. That's my kryptonite. I have a lot of endurance for talking, for analyzing, for all of this stuff, for interacting, but if I'm hungry and my blood sugar starts to get too low, that's when I just, my brain just does not work anymore. So that's why I have to continue to charge the battery as we go on these epic journeys together. All right, Libra rising. Let's roll. Let's roll. Libra rising has this new moon in the ninth house. Um, so this is something where you might be st starting a new, uh, pilgrimage of sorts, maybe a new journey, maybe there's travel involved, but maybe there's some a new belief system involved. This could be something where you need to make some choices about what you really believe in. What are your ethics? What, do you, what, are, your, what are you really basing your life around, right? Some of those, you can't keep every path uh, alive as far as like every belief system. I know that you try to be fair and you try to see the perspective of every single you know, vision, but if you keep waffling back and forth and you, you don't eventually say, 
well, this is, this is my line. These are my boundaries. Then you can find yourself in some sticky situations. So this might be something where it's important to set some healthy boundaries. It's important to maybe initiate a new cycle of exploration when it comes to your belief systems, higher education, the, the law also is associated with the ninth house. So there may be a new legal situation that you're embracing. Um, you have Saturn hanging out in your sixth house right now and Neptune squaring. Okay. So this is an energy where there's probably a lot of work going on for you, Libra rising. A lot of things that you're having to deal with that are, that are maybe blocking completion. All right. Sixth house is a, is a house that, that throws us obstacles that pull us away from completion. So there might be, excuse me, uh, some sort of chronic issue, whether it's a health issue, whether it's an injury or an illness or like some hard work that you're not getting a lot of credit for, where you're still going through the process. To me, the sixth house is very much a process orientated house. And instead of getting overly attached to outcomes right now, it's, it's an important time to be okay with things being in process. Also, uh, you have Venus and Mars in your 11th house, so there could be some, some support from the groups in your life or from beneficiaries from the, you know, like money from the government or something like that. Maybe you're getting your tax return or something like that in the mail. I don't know. This is just random type of thing. Um, but you may have some, some group energy where you're needing to be your authentic self within the group. Okay, let's keep going. Now we get to Scorpio rising. Scorpio rising, we are seeing a new moon in your eighth house. All right. So the eighth house is the derived house, the derived second house from the seventh. So we can think of that as resources of a partner. We also uh, consider that a house as the... It, the eighth house is called one of the gateways, um, the gate of Hades, gate to the underworld. So th there's an association with death and things that come after a completion. Seventh house is the, is the house of the setting sun. Eighth house is the house that's going to be on the descendant after the sun sets. So what everything that happens after a completion, oftentimes that can be the distribution of resources from a will. It can be uh, all of the things that you have to take care of at a funeral or something like that. It can be all of the emotions that happen after you've lost something. So there's, there could be also some grief associated with that eighth house. So you may have to uh, pick and choose the things that you can handle, the responsibilities that you can handle after some sort of completion. Um, there is a square to your fifth house from Neptune and Saturn. And there may be some feelings of sorrow, some, some unrealistic expectations when it comes to relating to your children. There could be some reevaluations about, you know, the responsibilities that you have around children or your, or your personal creativity. It could also be due to a romance. Um, fifth house is how we seek entertainment, how we seek romantic partnerships and things like that. Anything that brings us pleasure. With Saturn in the fifth house, there may be some tough lessons around pleasure right now for Scorpio Risings. This could be like getting sober after a period of addiction. 
And there may be some backsliding with that, with Saturn moving retrograde. So stay strong if you're feeling um, really vulnerable, uh, Scorpio rising. Um, if you're going through a, a, a rebirth, a transformation, a shedding of skin, uh, realize that it's not always a linear process and that sometimes you take a step backwards so that you can move forward again. Oftentimes, like I, I have some challenges with eating healthy. Um, Sometimes I will eat something that I've sworn off of. I, I don't really do well with like gluten or like low quality, like fried foods or cheese or stuff like that. And I'll be like, I'm not going to eat that again because I feel so bloated and sick afterwards. And sometimes I will lose my, my, um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, I will lose my discipline around it and I'll eat it. And then it'll remind me that I was like, mm, nope, that makes me feel like shit. And so I need to stop now. So there may be something like that happening with Saturn retrograding, but ultimately maybe it'll be for the best. It'll help you move forward. And it could be a romance too. It could be like, oh, I know this person isn't good for me, but I've got to, I know that I've got to, maybe I re-engage, but for the specific purpose of ultimately letting go. Scorpio rising, you have Mars and Venus in the 10th house right now. So a lot of focus on your career. Your ascendant ruler is in, in the 10th house. So there may be both conflicts and also support in your in your tenth house. You may be feeling that that gas and brake type of energy, uh, the the aggressive and receptive energy coming through your career. I guess the, the what I will suggest is just just be yourself. You know, you know, just be your authentic self and advocate for your your own needs. And you don't have to prove anything to anybody else if you are just being your true self. Okay, let's keep going. Jennifer says, so wondering, Spencer, when you talked about the new cycle beginning for me with perfections, do you mean all personal planets are starting new cycles with the moon activating them if the second house is cancer? Hmm. Well, when you're in a first house perfection year, Jennifer, um, you are seeing that particular house be activated um, and the particular planet that's associated with that, in your case, Mercury, becoming your new Time Lord. Now, the first house is sort of like a new a new cycle, right? It's a new personality. It's a new, like, this is a new skin that you're putting on, right? Or a new, like, persona or something of that nature. What's interesting about the perfections when it comes back to the first house is what it really does is it really reaffirms all the placements in your natal chart. Because when you perfect a chart, you move everything the amount of houses that that the perfection is happening. So like, for example, in this Scorpio rising chart, if they were in a first house perfection, all of these placements would be act activated, I guess. Um, or placements in the first house. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit uh, conf conflated with this. Uh, if, for example, there was a second house perfection, we would perfect the sun and the moon to the ninth house, okay? So there, you can perfect a planet, not just a not just a ascendant. So the first house perfection would be talking about the the ascendant being moved and perfected. So that's another really great way of looking at this technique: is all the planets kind of shift over the number of houses that the perfection is is moving them around. Um, but the basic gist of a first house perfection, Jennifer, is that look at your ruling planet. Mercury in your natal chart and in the solar return, I think is useful as well. Look at the themes of that. Look at all the aspects that are happening in your chart and, 
and um, those things are going to be sort of activated. Like it's kind of first house years are more like you're really going to be living the chart that you were given. Like it's going to be all the themes that are baked into your chart sort of become a little bit more prominent during a first house year, whereas some of them may be deactivated or shifted a little bit when when it's it's moved around. So I, ho I hope that was helpful and not too confusing. Okay. Let's finish this up with the next last series here. So Sagittarius rising, we have a uh, another mutable sign on the ascendant, and we are now dealing with a seventh house new moon. So this is a new a new start in partnerships. Um, this is something where you might have to choose in a partnership. Where I would be very careful about the ultimatums that you may issue in a partnership if you're having some challenges. If you're you know, trying to choose between if you're dating or something, this could be like, well, you're not going to be able to date every single person forever without one of them, you know, maybe getting upset or something like that. Or there may not be, you know, all these issues within a relationship that you can keep open-ended, right? You're going to have to kind of commit on some level. That Some of that commitment is probably being necessitated by Saturn in your fourth house. You may have to change some ideas about your living situation, maybe related to your parents, maybe related to your family. Um, you may have to release some illusions around that. Um, you may be feeling a lot of responsibility for, to your family. I know I've talked to, to a few Sagittarius Risings recently who have felt a, a really grounded recently. Like there's Sag Risings like to have the freedom of movement and Many of you right now are feeling Saturn in the fourth saying, mm, you're going to have to be a little bit more grounded. You don't have as much freedom of movement, probably due to a family challenge or a family responsibility. So this is a good time to start reevaluating what your true responsibilities are and, and how you might, uh, you know, what true freedom is to you. Again, freedom is not a, a condition of never having a responsibility. Freedom isn't having no commitments. Freedom is more of a mental state. Um, oftentimes I find that I feel most free with, within a container, within a limitation, rather than just having everything open-ended, mostly because I feel the prison of choices, <laughs> right? Sometimes having too many options can be its own prison. So think about it in that regard as well. Um, you're probably having some assistance from the ninth house. Maybe there's a teacher in your life that is, is being helpful. Maybe you're figuring out what your true beliefs are and your authenticity through exploring your belief system. Um, so that's something to examine as the Sag rising as well. Uh, your ascendant rulers in the sixth right now. So again, you're probably feeling like there's a lot of work that you're having to do or plan for that you're not getting a ton of credit for, but that's okay. It's a temporary position. Uh, learn to embrace the process, like they used to say in Philadelphia. <laughs> Trust the process. If you're a sports fan, that was there was the this guy, what was his name? Hanky, um, the GM of the Philadelphia 76ers, really embraced a tanking model. And if you're not familiar with that concept, that's like losing on purpose to be able to get a high draft pick. And they had a number of years in Philadelphia where they just were just terrible. And they got a bunch of high draft picks and they were able to draft like Joel Embiid and a few other players. 
And the, the whole thing around that was trust the process, trust the process. We're losing, but it's gonna, it's for a reason. It was funny that that GM was an Aquarius. And uh, so they were very much taking the long range view and it's, it's worked out okay for them. And they haven't won a championship yet, but they've been pretty good for the last few years after some of those, you know, they've paid off some of that patience. Okay. So let's talk cap rising here. So Capricorn rising, uh, you are experiencing the new moon in the sixth house. So this could be some new responsibilities uh, coming your way where maybe you, maybe you can't handle every single responsibility. <laughs> Sorry, Cap Rising. I know you want to. I know you want to juggle and take on all the things that everyone else can't handle. Bless your hearts. Um, but maybe it's time to delegate. Maybe there's just some priorities that you have to infuse your life and you know, you infuse your, your energy into, and, um, that, that's going to help you relax a little bit more. Um, Pluto's retrograded back into your first house. So there's probably some other things that are bubbling up from underneath the surface that, that, excuse me, that you didn't quite deal with the last time around. And now it's time to tie up those loose ends. Uh, Saturn is in your third house and the, the square to Neptune is to the third house. So daily routines and tra travel, <laughs> I'm just laughing because my partner is a, is a um, cap rising and she's been dealing with Saturn in the third house, just basically killing her old vehicle. And now she's having to deal with a new vehicle and all of the challenges of getting from point A to point B in her daily life, which is also a third house signification. Um, she, you know, <laughs> you Capricorn rising have Venus and Mars in the eighth house right now, maybe providing some assistance for, through getting a loan or something like that. Um, but also maybe there's also some challenges around getting that loan. This has been our experience personally. Uh, but there's also some, uh, you know, significations with Saturn turning retrograde as the ruler of your ascendant in the third house. This is a really great time to reevaluate your um, daily habits, your daily routines. How do you go through your daily life? What, how do you get from point A to point B? What are some of the things that, how do you arrange your day so that you can be most productive, right? Uh, and really, this is so funny that I love when I can see someone's life playing out in the astrology, like the overcoming square from my partner's third house is like Saturn is throwing obstacles to her getting, you know, a lot of her work done because of the, the challenges of her not having a vehicle. Um, and that's been really like limiting, a limiting factor. But that's going to change, hopefully this weekend as the sun moves into Cancer and then there's a trine. We're trying to get this worked out by this weekend. So um, with all of this, friends, Relief is coming in cancer season, I think. There's, there's, cancer season has its own challenges, namely the squares between the Leo and the Leo planets and the uh, Uranus and Taurus, and oppositions to Pluto during cancer season, okay? But this particular square with Saturn is going to start to be alleviated uh, as we move into cancer season. KP1231 says, Cleveland sports fandom defines the process. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you've gone through those tanking years. You got LeBron, though, and you got a championship out of it. So there's, there's that, you know. And 
Cleveland has an interesting young team. Uh, the, the Cavaliers, at least. I don't know about the Browns. Browns are an exercise in futility, but, you know, so it goes. Can't win them all. Okay, let's move on. Aquarius Rising. Does Cleveland have a hockey team? I don't remember. The Yellow Jackets or something like that? Columbus. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just thinking about the different sports. I'm not as not as hip to, to hockey, which is ironic because that's the sport I spent the most time playing as a young person, but neither here nor there. Okay, Aquarius Rising. You have the new moon in the fifth house related to children and the way that you seek pleasure and entertainment, um, things that happen, uh, legacies that you want to pass on, things that happen after uh, trying to create a, a firm foundation. This could be wrapping up loose ends after doing something to your home or moving or something like that. Um, you are getting a square from Saturn in your second house and Neptune. Saturn is going to retrograde in your second house. So Aquarius rising, there is some money issues that are potentially coming up. Now, you do have Jupiter in the fourth, so maybe you're trying to take on, I'm, I'm just visualizing one particular thing with this, where maybe you're doing some remodeling, maybe you're trying to purchase a new home or remodel a home, and the budget has gotten bloated or something like that, and now there's some reevaluation of the process. Um, try not to be too uh, idealistic about your the resources that you do have or the support that you do have, because Saturn's about to shift directions and show you the reality of your situation. Um, you know, having some ob objectivity around it is is one of your strengths. So know when to stay the course and when to retreat. That's another thing to think about Aquarius rising. Uh, you, you have Venus and Mars in your seventh house. So there could be some support from a partner, but there could be also some tension around that too. Try to, to find some authenticity in your relationships uh, so that you can you know, advocate for your own needs within the relationship as well, but also appreciate the authenticity of your partner as well. Okay. So, finally, last but certainly not least, our patient Pisceans. Pisces rising. Okay, Callie at the beach, are you Aquarius rising? <laughs> it says, oh dear, probably due to the wedding expenses for my daughter on June 25th. Oh boy, yeah. So, if we just go back real quick, you know, you have, you know, fifth house, <laughs> right? Your daughter, new moon. You have a lot of activity in the seventh house, which is like, I think seventh house can be like a wedding type of deal. And then Saturn in the overcoming square. Yeah, it plays out, doesn't it? Expansion in the family. <laughs> That's perfect. Perfect example there, Callie, if you're a Aquarius rising. Okay, Pisces rising. All right. Yeah, this is the, the, the beauty of doing this live and hearing your stories as we can hear in, your, in real time. How this is playing out for you in your life okay so finally pisces rising another angular new moon one in your fourth house probably some a lot of questions lately about your living situation your family your parents um your home and it now is a time to to uh choose 
Like there's, if you've been exploring your options, this is probably a good time to choose and make a choice. You're not going to be able to keep all of those options open without creating more suffering. Um, you all have been going through some challenging times with Neptune moving through your first and Saturn in particular, uh, kind of raining on your parade. Like I, I'm thinking of the, you know, that Barbara Streisand song, don't rain on my parade, but Saturn sort of does that. Um, and Pisces is all about faith in the unseen and the unseen things that connect us spiritually. But Saturn is saying some of those dreams are going to have to, you're going to have to get real with some of those dreams. And you may have to reevaluate your role in, in all of those things. There's probably been some real frustration about your living situation and, and you know, feeling idealistic about who you want to be within it and what you're doing within it. And some of that's going to get alleviated as, as we move into cancer season, for sure. That's going to probably feel pretty good. Um, but it's a t good time to slow down and if, to incorporate some of the changes that you've been going through in your life one day at a time. Um, you got Venus and Mars in your sixth house, so maybe you have some support from some people that work, either work for you or contractors or something like that if you're working on a house or something. Just be careful that, that you don't get into conflicts with them. Um, especially when Mars starts to square Uranus uh, next weekend, um, it could be very easy to have like a, an accident or an injury or an illness or something like that, uh, or get into an argument with like a sibling or something like that also. Um, you got Jupiter in your third, expanding your daily habits and routines and asking you to plan for your, your education or, or something of that nature. Okay. Any questions, friends? That is taking the new moon through the houses. So this has been a wonderful experience with all of you. We're going to end our session today with an animal and an aching. And I will pull this up. First of all, the aching that I got for you was hexagram number 57. So hexagram 57 is called gentle influence, compliance, humility, the penetrating wind, persistence. Okay, so we're being asked to like be, uh, have a gentle type of influence here. And there's one changing line. And that changing line says advancing and retreating. It is beneficial to persevere like a warrior. This is bringing to mind the indecisiveness, but also uh, the Mars Venus energy of foot on the brake and foot on the gas type of thing. Um, so I'm going to just going to read from one of my favorite translations, which is Jack Balkin's The Law of Change. He says, indecisiveness and vacillation will achieve nothing now. You must approach matters with a more disciplined attitude. Don't let yourself be controlled by your doubts and fears. Decide what is the right course of action and see it through. Adopt the military virtues of courage, determination, and self-discipline if you want to succeed. Okay? So this is... You know, this is a time when, it, when if you're trying to make the right choice, you do have to exercise some, some mental discipline around it, right? You can't just keep vacillating. This is one of the dangers of Gemini is second-guessing ourselves all the time. Twelfth, Remember 12th house, second-guessing? So we just have to, again, when you make a choice, this is something I've learned too, ultimately, a choice will bring us to a similar place eventually. Let's say we make a quote-unquote wrong choice 
eventually we will learn from that experience and we will learn that that's what we don't want. And then we'll get to the place that we were originally intending to go. Okay. And I know that that's frustrating and I know that that sucks, but sometimes that's where we learn our greatest lessons. So we have to be decisive. We have to just make the choice. Again, you can circle back around if, if it doesn't work out the first time, because there's some retrograde stuff this year that it's going to help us to do that. Um, it's changing to hexagram number nine, which is called small accumulation. The power, the taming power of the small, restraint of the powerful by the weak, small farming, taking care of the little things, accumulation of small advantages, using gentleness and friendly persuasion, temporarily held back, but rain will come. That's important. This is, this is the hexagram number nine of, the, of feeling like a rainstorm coming. You know, like you can see the clouds are full, coming in. You feel the barometric pressure. Everything is starting to like build up. And it's like, oh, when is it? When are we going to get liberation and deliverance from this energy? Uh, so we may still be going through that towards the end of Gemini season. But I really do think that the, the, the rainstorm that's going to come, cancer season is going to, you know, wash away some of this indecisiveness. And cancer season happens... Wednesday. Okay. So you got a couple days where you're going to feel this back and forth. Keep in mind as well. First of all, I, I didn't, I didn't mention this in the beginning, but the moon's going to be out of bounds during this lunation. Um, so we're going to be feeling extra emotional from starting tomorrow until, you know, about three days afterwards. The other thing that I would suggest with this too, is that right after this new moon, the moon goes into a Hellenistic void of course, until Wednesday morning, okay, till about nine o'clock Eastern time, Wednesday morning, from about 8.45 p.m. Sunday night to nine o'clock in the morning on Wednesday morning, it's Hellenistic void, where the moon is not going to be making any aspects, traditional aspects, okay, across sign boundaries for 30 degrees. So we do have, and I'll just tell you exactly what's going on here. I have it written down. I apologize for forgetting to tell this, but I'm glad I caught it. Um, so at, at seven degrees of Cancer, the moon is going to trine Saturn in Pisces. That's the beginning of our void of course on Sunday the 18th. It will end its void of course uh, at seven degrees of Leo at 9.14 a.m. when it squares Jupiter on the 21st Okay, in Taurus. So seven degrees of Cancer to seven degrees of Leo, moon is void, of course. What does that mean? Well, traditional astrologers said that nothing would come of the matter. So just it's a great time to relax, to just be at peace, rest your mind. Uh, maybe the, the solution for a lot of these things is just to not force it, you know, that, that you'll finally get the release that you need at Cancer season potentially. Um, I wouldn't make any of those big ultimatum decisions around the void of course moon because nothing will come of it. So if you want to get some stuff done, try to get it done before Sunday afternoon. And then if you don't get it in at that point, uh, just be real chill about trying to force any big major decisions until Wednesday morning, if that makes sense. And I know that some of you will have to make some decisions, but um, it'll probably work out a little bit better if you just give it a little bit of time. Okay, so the animal that I have for you is the caterpillar the caterpillar okay 
So this is teaching us right now that we need to, we're in process. I, I, <laughs> I love the synchronicity of this. Trust the process. There is no animal that talks more about trusting the process than the caterpillar because they are going through a, an intense period of transformation, but they need to eat, they need to get fat. And then they go through this cocoon process where they literally, they don't have, they don't know what they're going to be when they emerge from that cocoon. Um, they are dissolving all of their, their, uh, their cells and in, into this goo and reforming into something else. And it's probably painful. It's probably scary, but it's instinctual. This is just something that's happening. This is just a process that they're going through. And this is what Caterpillar is asking us to do is that things happen in stages. They don't just happen right when we want to, them to. It really speaks to delayed gratification. It speaks to that cocooning phase. Um, it encourages us to uh, give ourselves the time and space that we need. Um, that we need to, let's see. Uh, to embrace the hidden potential in the process that we're going through, okay? Again, you may not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel yet, but you have to have faith through it, okay? Um, there's going to be times where some people aren't going to understand your process. Some people aren't going to understand why you're going into the cocoon. They're not going to understand you dissolving one form so that you can become this other thing that you just instinctually have to be. So just relax, friends. You know, the, the time is coming. And a lot of these things that are creating tension, they're about to get better. And one day at a time. All right, my friends. That's what I have for you today. Uh, please do me a huge favor. Like this video. Subscribe to the channel. Sign up for the email list, okay? If you want to know when the next group study is starting, 710, okay? It's starting in July 10th. But when you, I will share the link to sign up for it on the email list starting next week. I would love for you to join me. If you want to make a material donation in the work I'm doing, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. You can purchase the Deccan's webinar, Gemini's on sale until the 21st. Or you can schedule a reading. And I would love to work with you. And I have worked with many of you in the chat and it's been a wonderful experience. So hang in there, friends. Um, it's been a wonderful time chatting with you and spending time with you on this Thursday afternoon. And I will, I will see you next week, I think for the, the astrology of July. Uh, we'll probably be doing that around the end of the next week. So looking forward to hanging out with you again. And just uh, remember, be kind, be kind, be kind, be kind. It's very easy to get uh, a little bit severe in the third decade of Gemini. So practice that kindness, practice that gentleness, and then you will um, be kind to yourself too. Don't beat yourself up internally, and that's going to be a lot easier to, to uh, put some good out into the world. All right, friends, that's what I have. Take care. Peace.